I'm Christy Giuseppe, author of the Lightbringer series from twoguystalkingstarwars.com, and you're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. The threads that connect our S.H.I.E.L.D. team have created a bond that is delicious. From initial introduction to twists and turns, the connective tissue to the feature films and back, we know a lot about our S.H.I.E.L.D. team, its members, old and new, and the best part is that it all continues to evolve. The details shared inside this episode allow us to experience new paths and new potential threads that offer a guarantee of, I want more. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, it's Season 5, Episode 17, The Honeymoon. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. Yeah, and I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. The passing of a conspiracy icon and our salute. It's just come across my desk in the last couple of minutes mm-hmm. that Art Bell has died. Mm. And so I wanted to make sure that we take a moment out of our program that obviously is not dedicated to the paranormal, right. but is built on the shoulders of there being an echo chamber inside of television review mm-hmm. and totally give a nod to Art Bell to the legendary sized audience that he built, but more importantly, to a section of podcasting that we still to this day continue to grab a large portion of podcast space from with our conspiracyagents.com program. Mm-hmm. Art Bell is an icon. He was one of my dad's favorites. He always mentioned him when he when he talked about his own podcast, hoping that someday he would eventually reach the abilities and level that Art Bell was at. And my God, the man yeah. is an icon and will always be an icon. Again, our conspiracyagents.com hat tilted in the direction of Art Bell. Be sure to check out more great topics that talk a lot about the same things that Art Bell talked about over at conspiracyagents.com. The Back to the Future Perspective Review. I had the wonderful happenstance to accidentally come across a video of one Thomas F. Wilson. Do you have any idea who this person is? Thomas F. Wilson. Mm-hmm. That would have to be the actor that plays Biff. That is the actor that plays exactly. Biff. Exactly. And I have to tip my total hat to someone that knows about another incredibly gifted actor. He's because, hilarious, too. Oh, he's, he's, he's beyond hilarious. Yeah. Uh, the reason I mentioned him is because I came across him inside of a variety of different YouTube threads that I was following while chasing but not finding 
the YouTube Hobgoblin this week. Ah, well, congratulations. And I'm really happy that I found this video. It's him and the guy that plays Doc Brown inside of one of the many convention reels there are of these two. Mm -hmm. And Thomas F. Wilson is amazing at conventions. He is clearly a magnet and like the magnet, regardless of who he's sitting with. Mm -hmm. As you can imagine, Christopher Lloyd's getting up in age. And oh, yeah. He's definitely not nearly on the edge of a dime as he used to be. But that makes no difference at all. Mostly because a Thomas F. Wilson is in the house, along with his ukulele, along with a razor wit that any actor and or stand-up comedian would be absolutely honored to be able to harbor inside themselves. The man is a genius. We'll include a link to what I'm talking about. But we will also include a link to one of my very favorite all-time favorite perspective reviews that we've done in the history of podcasting and it is the back to the future perspective review you can go listen to it right now if you want though by going over to two guys talking.com forward slash back to the future and again collective hat nod hat tip to the actor that is thomas f wilson what are you looking at butthead all right, all right. So the ceremony is over, but now it's time for The Honeymoon. Season 5, Episode 17 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu Streaming. Let us review. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. A running pace. Nothing standalone in this episode. This was outstanding, mostly because the episode is painted from the instant you come in from the episode that it is tethered to something previous and then sprints into the content of this episode. Mm -hmm. I love the, the entire front end of this episode has so many great values. Let me explain. Giddy about a mention of Gideon. Gideon is mentioned inside of this. Again, one of our very favorite characters, played by the unfortunately now dead Powers Booth. Yes. But that they bother to mention it, and they tie way more connective tissue together just by mentioning him and then weaving him into the story. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Just great stuff. Harkens back to things that you and I were absolutely drooling over inside of storytelling. And again, lends everything this show has to previous storytelling to use that to propel this episode. If this were a comic book, there would be an asterisk right there after that line yeah, where they're yeah. talking about, well, we're gathered, taking the information we got from Gideon Malik. Then there'd be an asterisk, and then at the bottom of the panel would be, to learn more, go back in season three, episode yeah. blah, blah, blah of Agents yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D., if this were a comic book. Sequential storytelling, without question, is sequential storytelling. Right, yeah, yeah. And, and being able to draw back on stuff that you've already talked about to help bolster and support the storytelling that's going on now, thumbs way up. Another grand bailing from the back of an airplane. And the music trumpets. Those of you that know me at all will know that one of my very favorite films, The Winter Soldier, the second Captain America offering, features the out of the back of an airplane moment, an out of the back of an airplane departure by cap uh -huh. with no parachute. With no parachute. 
all of that, that, and then that, that exquisite boat run that they have inside of that episode, all of it is absolutely ripped out of comic book pages and put in front of you on a screen, whether it's the smaller HD screen or in the case of going to watch the movie, the feature film screen. Mm-hmm. And it was delicious. It was great to have that same impact, but this time you actually get to experience it twice because you've got Yo-Yo Balin, then you've got Fitz and Simmons joining hands after their excellent repartee and then jumping out of the back of the of the moving plane. But then also the follow. The follow is what I think I really got the most out of. Because while we did trail Cap down, panning through, and then as he enters the water, what we didn't get was a solid follow. And that's mm-hmm. rightfully done because you've got Mr. Crossbones and Black Widow literally saying, did he have a parachute on? Nope. nope. Uh, just phenomenal stuff. A great hearkening back to a feature film. But again, an element that stands on its own inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. And again, mentioning something that happened in season one. One. Self-defeat is the most destructive emotion there is in a survival situation. For those of you that are like me that watch anything survival-based Everyone will know that the demon you have to defeat first is not thirst. It is not hunger. Traditionally, it is not the environment, though in many cases it is. Mm. What you have to defeat first so that you can succeed, regardless of how long you actually live in a survival situation, is self-doubt. Self-doubt will kill you faster than anything I've just mentioned, whether it's the environment, whether it's an element near you someplace, whether it's the basics that, quote, you think you must have. I I just thought of this the other day because my daughter goes, Daddy, I'm so hungry. And I go, you're starving, right? (laughs) And she goes, no, yes, yes, I'm starving. And I'm like, okay, well, one... You're not starving, honey. Trust me. There's, <laughs> there's weeks that could go by before you have any problems starving. Right, I, I right. think we're okay there. Anyway, what that brought up for me was many of the different things that I've listened to, whether it be a movie or a television show or something else where something survival is based. And the fact that you can live for X amount of days without water and X amount of weeks without any food is not what I'm focusing on inside of this point. What I am focusing on is inside of this Talbot revisit scene, You can feel him mentally breaking down. Coulson steps in and is not only a sample for him, but is also the leader sample again to bring him out of this terrible spiral that he's trying to build himself into. And that's what makes Phil Coulson endearing. But then the following up out of the spiral is what instantly makes Talbot endearing inside Mm -hmm. the scene. Well, I mentioned it a handful of episodes ago that I was hoping that we would continue to visit Talbot and we would see a hopeful redemption road for him for breaking and and spilling all the secrets. And I'm, I'm glad that they had this moment here because this moment was, okay, leave me. I'm no good to you. You know, I'm worthless. I'm I'm, I'm a traitor. Da, 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 da. No, get up. We got to keep moving. You know, we got to, you got your wife, you got your son to live for. Come on, let's go. And throughout the end, from this point, from this point, and then throughout the episode, we start seeing more of that possible resolve in Talbot. It's like, oh no, I'm done with this. No, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be done with this. Maybe there is hope for me. Maybe, maybe I still can come back from this. And I really like how we start the episode off with this. It kind of sets the tone for the character for the rest of the episode, and I love it. <laughs> 
hoping the machine was still set to the right place. Ruby rolls the bones on this. Obviously, if they were the last one to touch it, then she's probably got some validity to the fact that if she just opened the door again and jumped through, it would work. Mm -hmm. But it's a big die roll. I mean, look at the machine, and you wonder how much alteration can happen to it, and it makes something different. Well, the only thing that was different, and, and well, maybe it wasn't even different, but she knows how to read the schematic that pops up above mm. it, the little 3D... Out, thing, whatever, whatever, whatever the alien word would be for it. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure that she was under the impression that it was safe to go mm-hmm. because you, you would have to think the only other person that would touch that would be General Hale because mm-hmm. Creel's locked up and everybody else in the facility is uh, android. So mm. a calendar and precise topography, courtesy of Crayola. So this is another fine scene, another great sample mm. of bathos. Yes. This is the kind of stuff Good that I, I want to and can stomach, where Deke is kind of ranking on Robin because, my God, it's going to be so easy to find them with these crayon-induced drawings. Right. <laughs> and I thought that that was great. It, it was some great levity to help temper down a very, very tense situation, and it was very well placed. Well, I mean, he even, he even says it. I thought I left all this uh, precognition crap in the future. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's that's yeah. it's been yeah. a while since we've had a, a character that is specifically used for comedy relief. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that that's what Deke's main job is for mm-hmm. this show, mm-hmm. but lately, that's what it's been. And I'm not complaining. I, I'm not complaining. Yeah. Well, it's infused with future traveler slash person that Fish cares out of water deeply. Kind of thing. Yeah, not only that, but someone that cares deeply about the team, not just because he cares deeply about the mission. Mm-hmm. It's because he's related to a couple of them. True. And I think that that all. And he thinks one of them is really pretty. Yeah, that, I think that that all spills over, and it's incredibly effective inside this episode. How about some frickin' Fleer already? As we get into this portion of the episode, I was terribly happy to see how fast this part of the revisit to the snowy surface portion of where they are transpired. Mm-hmm. I really wanted it to go fast, mostly because, let me get this straight, we're in a sub-zero area, got it. We have two people that are not sub-zero themselves, right. got it. We know in about what area they might be, let's say, 50 square miles total, gotcha. So you're telling me that no one's got access to a FLIR system, which is the infrared-based technology solution that they need, but nobody's going to flick that switch in this scene? And thankfully, my brain it took me longer to actually type <laughs> what I wanted to say than it did for them to actually get into the part of the scene that it mattered. So thumbs up. Great stuff. But just realize that if there's a giant snowy environment where the, the good guys or the bad guys need to find somebody... Well, guess what? Even somebody that's been walking and running around inside of sub-zero weather for, let's give them benefit of the doubt, for 20 minutes. The fact is that the temperature coming off of those two people is going to be seen on an infrared scope regardless of what you pointed at. Right. Because, ding, 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 it's incredibly cold all around you. And the only thing that's moving are probably animals and the people you're looking for. Aim at Ruby liquefy already why don't you start this one with your supposition (laughs) i'm watching this episode and as soon as this happens i sit up and i'm going like you know what i know for a fact 
Mike's watching this and going liquefy mode already. It's true. It's true. In then fact, I get in. Then I get into the studio and he's he's taking care of the show notes. And just before we start, I I, I give him a little look, maybe give a little note, and I'll be damned if liquefied all in caps <laughs> pops up at me, and I'm like, I knew you were going to have this in there. I did. I did. And. You know, it plays. But you're really, right. You are right. This it, is this is the enemy. This is a this is the bad guy. Why don't we liquefy this person? It already? does not get any more dire than <laughs> if I if I get hurt, if I get injured, if I if I I lose my arms, <laughs> if, if you know whatever. Insert whatever the other the alternative is. Then the flip of the switch for this has to be liquefy mode. Right. And that there wasn't instant any instant liquefy, and then there was even repartee. I'm glad that there's repartee because it's way more dramatic and mm -hmm. nobody wants to just see her yep. walk into a screen and go. <laughs> Although I would, <laughs> but you can't do that. I get it. it. You have to, you have to stay the course. Hi Ruby. I'm Mike. <laughs> right. So you can't do that, but damn, she should have, she really should have. Uh, we don't get that. In fact, the, the funny part is that she uses her powers a couple of times. And so I, I just, I, I so wanted I don't want Ruby dead. Don't get me wrong, but you know, well, maybe not yet. Uh, right. I'm telling you, liquefy mode solves a lot of problems, and particularly a Ruby. It Red does, mode. but Daisy is not a murderer, except for the whole billions of people dead from crumbs of Earth. We still don't know if that's her or not. I don't want to be you. I want to beat you. This was spectacular, and another reason why I'm so glad that Daisy didn't put on liquefy mode right because we totally would have missed out on this along with all of the other stuff that this exquisite actress does it's so straightforward but it's so it's got so many layers even though it's a very straightforward portrayal of a character that is just kind of out to do bad things yeah it's she 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 definitely has the outlook of a like a sycophantic fan yes who yeah. at one point idolized and then it's gotten to the point to where that the, the idolization has now turned into I must kill what I love. It's a stepping stone. To be what I want to be, to be you, basically, I have to kill you. Mm -hmm. You can't be around anymore. I have to replace you. And we're walking a fine line on where uh, sociopathic tendencies are concerned. Big time. What I really want to know, and this is something that has not been talked about on the show yet, we know that Whitehall wanted to use Hale, her uterus, as the incubator for Hydra's next leader. Proving ground. Mm -hmm. What did they do in the the mixing pot? Hmm? I want to know how she was engineered. Because she even says, I was engineered to be the best. How? What, what, what's the magic ingredients that they put in you? Hmm. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm really interested in. And I'm hoping that... We, we still have five episodes left. I'm hoping that we get a little bit into that. Right. Well, there's only one magic ingredient that I have interest in putting into General Hale. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Wow. No, this was a, this was a spectacular scene. The fight is solid. Uh, the no liquefy mode, I get it. Short, but solid, yes. Definitely short. And the, the, the neat part is that it's all a springboard to the rest of what happens inside the episode that mm. is all really well put together. Let's talk about shaking the earth apart. I just wanted to stress for a moment that, well, there's this battle inside of this snowy wonderland next to a mountain, right? 
and there's this woman that throws this sharp disc thing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then uh, across from her, uh, across from the soccer field, if you will, the lady that can shake the world to death. Well, I don't think she can shake the world to death yet. You don't know that. I do know that. It's the unless, whole reason why they need the Gravitonium. Unless you have the script, you don't know. I do know. Why do you think Coulson went a little cuckoo crazy while talking to Hale a couple episodes ago? Here's the thing. They're also far enough away from that mountain range to where Quake's powers are not going to cause an avalanche. They show that when Coulson and Talbot are running away, they pull back from a close-up on them. They pull out of the forest, and they show you how far away they are from those mountains. Mm-hmm. Well, they were running away from those mountains. Mm-hmm. And they even come back to the beginning of this episode with... The Giant. shot of the mountains, yeah. and then we come mm-hmm. back down. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not worried. Down goes Deke, and a team appeareth. And this scene had me because there was no, there was bullet fire. You definitely heard that, right? What you didn't hear was the the bullet hit sound, and or if there were many of them. Mm. And that's what concerned me. Because I thought that the way that he fell and the way that they chalked back the camera. He was just riddled with bullets. I thought he was riddled with bullets. Mm. And for those that are curious, riddled with bullets, one bullet is always a question mark, especially from a gun like the ones that we're looking at. Right. You start putting multiple bullets into people from guns like the ones we're looking at, nothing good happens. Nope. There's not that whole, hey, man, you can get shot five or six times with a high-powered rifle and everything's going to be okay. Everything is not going to be okay. (laughs) If it's not the blood loss, if it's not the impact shock, if it's not a variety of other things that will instantly kill you, then it's just you cannot have that many holes in you as a person. It doesn't work that way. Right. And from what we can tell, Deke is just human. There's no... Yeah, yeah, there's no no special infusion of anything. anything. Right, right. So uh, this is spectacular. And then, of course, the, the team appearing at the end where it's the bad guy's team. (laughs) <laughs> our team comes to save him, but on their heels is Hale along with these other people. Yeah. And so you really don't know what's going to happen. It absolutely jacks up the peril. And I love that inside of an episode like this. It jacks up the peril, but we move on. Right. It, it doesn't pace. draw it, it out. It's the pace. Right. right. It is the pace. A mention of irradiated soil to foster the storytelling. Brilliant. Smart, yeah. Incredibly smart. And again, it's these things that you and I probably would have said something to the effect of, oh, well, I have a question. How do they know that they're not being irradiated right now? And the answer is because it's built into the storytelling. Thank you. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. A total thumbs up. I don't, I don't, again, I don't know that the, the, the show creators slash propellers slash writers actually listen to this program. But if you do, I heart you. Yeah. You guys really do get what we're looking for in regard to storytelling, but more important, the process of creating the storytelling. You, you guys are just spot on, and I love, love, love talking about it. It took less than a minute for three characters to talk about, oh, there are signs everywhere it says radiation. Look, can't be radiation, there are flowers. Oh, I've just done a scan, there's more radiation in a dentist's office than there is here. Less than a minute. Yeah. Now, now, bad storytelling. They don't mention it at all, and we have to bring it up. Right. Because that has happened. It's even happened yeah, inside of this show. But it was true. Eons ago. Long ago. Yeah. Long ago. The shutting down of Arm Choppy Offy Bathos. Kudos. This is a brilliant scene. Not only is it a brilliant scene of inserted humor during drama, i.e., Bathos, 
It also is an excellent sample of how to shut down Bathos with even more humor that propels the story. If you're ever looking for something that is the pinnacle of what can be considered writing into a corner with Bathos, this is that scene. Mm. And I, I dare anybody to show me another factor inside of a feature film from Marvel Studios that does what this scene did. There isn't one. There isn't a scene that did that does or did this inside of any other Marvel film that I can remember that was pulled off this wonderfully. The kind of coughing that no one wants. This was excellent, mostly because based on experience inside of working with enough medical professionals, this is very much what happens when somebody has lots and lots of internal bleeding right. that is uncontrolled internal bleeding. This is what you get. They start having that cough like you've got the whooping cough, mm -hmm. and then blood starts coming, and nothing good happens. Obviously, when you are coughing blood, regardless of how much it is, nothing good is happening oh, no. to your body. That we see it pouring out of Deke's mouth is not a good thing. And with a few exceptions towards the back end of this episode, I love that the peril that they set in here, though he later on in the episode would not be nearly as conscious and particularly happy as he was in later in the episode. Right. I, yeah. Just despite the amount of drugs they say he's on. Right. Enjoy your antiseptic room, Ruby. Man, this was powerful. That whole thing of, you know, you know, what's really worse for every character is when they get their ass kicked. And I'm like, you guys don't get it. You don't understand the impact that something psychological can have until you see it performed perfectly. Mm. And this is it. This is the psychological impact that I have to tell all of you I experienced twice in my life. Now, the difference is that I wasn't a murderous red lipstick wearing teenager <laughs> with blonde hair. And I would hope not. But this exact element happened twice by my father where he went into my room and he cleared out my room because I was being an asshole. And you know what happened? At least the second time. You stopped being an asshole? That's right. And it is these deeply psychological connections to the stuff <laughs> yeah. that you have, especially when you're that age, that mean everything to you. It will be absolutely paradigm changing before you even understand what the word paradigm means as a teenager. And this is, it's, it's exquisite. It's absolutely exquisite. Rather than coming back in and having a couple of the robots wail on her for another half an hour to make her more fat-lipped, she doesn't bother with that. She just takes her to the room and, oh, bye-bye, clicks the door behind her and, look, it's an antiseptic room with nothing in it. I love that. I absolutely love that. Or nothing of her in it, rather. Right. There's the bed all, all and the of her, All of her personal belongings yeah. have been taken away. The thing that, I, you know what, I'm going to add on to this because I think, yes... It's great that General Hale did that because that's the way she has controlled Ruby up to this point. The great thing about what happened next is that Ruby looks at the room, gives that whole, oh, you actually, you, you took all my stuff, and then doesn't say a word. Mm -hmm. Instead mm -hmm. of trying to challenge her or argue, it's, okay, if this is how we're going to play things, this is how we're going to play things. And it continues throughout mm -hmm. the episode. Yeah, yeah. This is the episode where Ruby finally decides, nope, I'm done with you, Mom. Using an appropriate location for an evil lair set. 
This same thing was done with exquisite power on multiple occasions inside of one of my favorite all-time television shows, 24. Mm. 24 on Fox with Jack Bauer, not the most recent season so much, but the previous seasons, in almost every single season there was... There must have been at least a dozen different sets in every episode. <laughs> right. But inside of each of them were carefully scouted and found locations for shooting. Wherever they shot this one, total kudos. Mm. Absolutely pulls it off. Doesn't need any dressing from what I could tell. It looks like they went and got a facility. They said, this is the facility we're going to use, and it all worked perfectly. With maybe the exception of tossing on some metal radiation signs. Right, yeah. Other than that, this place was exquisite for what yeah, they the shot. Yeah, ex- the exteriors for all of this, I, again, I would love to know where they were filming. The interiors, they were, and they did a pretty good job matching the interiors. Again, mm-hmm. you know, the interiors, it's a set. Yeah. But... The fact that they were able to create the, ooh, the secret room, that's how you get away from having to match your exteriors with your interiors. Yeah, yeah. Because then you get your secret room, and then you can have your set. Yeah. Again, I love that production values can be met with such a high standard, but then when they need to just be a piece of the process storytelling, but not be dumb or Mm. cheap looking, that can can totally be reached too. Mm -hmm. Here is a perfect sample of how. It can be done. Oh, for the love of flapjacks. I'm going to uh, have that put on I'm a t-shirt. Serious. I thought about a tattoo, man. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, no. Now, see, I thought I actually thought you were going to complain about this because no. of because of uh, Talbot's cartooniness. I love no. this. I love his idiosyncrasies, the way he, just, just the way he curses. Yeah. He does not curse like a regular general. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. you. Know? And, and I think what... Maybe because it was sandwiched in between a variety of different incredibly well-done acting scenes Mm. is why I... It's not even so much tolerating. I thought that this was totally fitting. It also was... You couldn't quite believe what he said as rest of storytelling is being delivered after it. Mm. And that's why it was so impactful. You know? It it really was good, and I I thought it was incredibly endearing for Talbot. The Coulson conversation and pirouetting to May. Wow. This conversation between Coulson and Talbot that then pirouettes over to the May conversation. Yeah. This is the masterful stuff that if people are wondering what they're missing inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., look no further. This is a giant blinking neon sign pointing to why you need to be watching this show and not just tuning in every now and then but watching all the time right. every single episode because there are always there's always something just like this scene it's not always these two characters either mm-hmm. there but there is always something that's this level of endearing that is th- these were not screaming giant dramatic moments but they were so magnetic they absolutely grab your attention span and you cannot look away let me explain May and Coulson's 50-50 shot. For those of you that don't know what a 50-50 shot is, traditionally it's only two cameras. Inside of this one, they actually use more than that. Mm. But it's where there's a three-quarter shot of someone on one side, and then directly across from that camera is another camera facing the other person that's having the conversation so that you can flip back and forth, but it's not like I'm looking at Nick's face and now Nick will be looking at my face. That's not what it is. It's, it's off to the side, but it's always a back and forth. 
The difference inside of this one is that they added in even another couple of cameras on top of that, but not so much so that the, the scene was so energetic that you hate looking at it. Because of what they're saying, you are absolutely magnetized to what is being t said. Then you add on that they're zooming in just every now and then as the 50-50 changes. Mm -hmm. And for those of you that need to go back and watch this scene again, go back and watch it because it is, it is clinic on how to do a conversation where not only will the people be paying attention, but the pathos that is delivered by engaging in a conversation, but then showing it like this inside of storytelling, it's magical. On top of that, you have to remember the costuming is all dark. Yeah. The setting is all dark. So you are automatically drawn to the faces yeah. of the characters. Yeah. So you cannot look away. Even in a wide two shot, mm -hmm. you're drawn to those two faces. Yeah. And until the end of this scene, they pull you in, they pull you in, they pull you in. And then May smacks you to where you're just as dumbfounded as Coulson by the end of this scene. Yes. Yeah, that is perfectly well said. Again, this is another giant dinging neon sign that people need to be watching for a program like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Again, perfectly comic booky Russian inserts. There is a payday waiting for the Russian guy every time he comes on. And it is with the dialogue that they have chosen to give him inside of this that gives him exactly what he needs. He doesn't have to have any Academy Award-winning speech. No. He doesn't have to have anything that is a foil for anybody else at all inside of this. Not only because is he a robot, not only because is we don't really care about him, but because it's what fits him. And that's when you know you've got a good quality program because rather than trying to stretch and ply and shove this character into something that he, he isn't, they clearly know what to do with this character, especially when he's on screen, quote, by himself. Right. It's perfect. The great thing about it is also is that the character has changed very little from being a human person to a brain in a jar controlling a robot body of himself. Very, very well said. He, he is a little colder, of course, because he feels no pain anymore. But other than that, the character has barely changed. And you really don't see that often when, when a character makes such yeah. a transition. Mm -hmm. And I love that they've actually done this with this character because he's the Russian was never a monologuer. Right. He's like, oh, let me tell you my grand plan while we drink vodka. No, he did never, nothing like that. It was, and it, yeah. and it totally works. Yeah. As oh, opposed oh, yeah. to that being something detracting that you have to flop and, and hate, it really, really does work because mm. it's perfectly placed like a puzzle piece. <laughs> Music propels the episode perfectly. Inside of this scene, you'll remember when they're in the hallway, and of course, inside of the fire hose container is the magical super- The secret lever. The secret lever. Yeah. That opens up the appropriate hidden door that is inside of here. Mm -hmm. And the music that is used here, but I got to tell you, inside of other places, there's also perfectly used music. The music inside of this episode reminded me of a couple of things. The first one is wonderfully crafted- John Carpenter movie, Escape from New York. Mm, okay. There's no doubt in my mind that the music here inside of several different places was crafted and based on that. No question in my mind. The other thing that a lot of the music, especially the stuff where people are running, is based on is the music from the running scene inside of The Terminator, the original Terminator film. Mm. 
and you're never going to get a complaint from me because both of those films, <laughs> if, if I tell you what, if we had all we could watch all day long were those two movies, I got to tell you, as long as we got the right food, I think I'm tethered to a chair with a colostomy bag because that's how good those two films are. And in particular, the music inside of them is are both just simply tremendous. The only one that might be better, the second Terminator offering. And it's only because it was made with updated music. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that one is epic. That 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 is one where you really have to show me a soundtrack and or a film score that's really going to try and push me over the edge when it comes to loving the second Terminator Two mm. film. Uh, that that is an exquisite soundtrack, and and one that I don't know that can be matched. Anyway, the, the, the just is that the music here not only propels each of the sections, but allows you to get engaged in the moment and total tip of the hat to the people that make it. <laughs> Let's destroy all of it. More explosives, but we have a speedster. So one of the things I know I'm going to get over, just because I'm going to get over and I love this show enough. Right. But I, I wonder why a scene like this doesn't go something like this. Yo, yo, we need everything in this room destroyed. Go! And she would just go, and everything in the room is th- this, this end of sideways. And now you've got all the time in the world to talk about whatever you want with your beautiful new wife. Well, we now know why, don't we, Nick? Well, we do, because she has she has never used her powers since getting her arms chopped off. And we know that uh, the arms have not been calibrated to move that fast, yeah. which I think was brilliant. Yeah. There was no, okay, I'm going to run out there, grab the guns from all the bad guys. We're going to gra- I'm going to give you the guns, and we're going to get out of here. No, that didn't happen, because... She rushed into this mission without knowing her full capabilities. And right. I love that there are consequences to people's rash decisions. And and and, and I'm but I'm glad that it also didn't last very long. I'm, yes. I'm glad that it didn't like dis- disable her for the rest of the episode. Right. I would have been a little upset with that. I, I totally agree with that. However, here's my supposition. Oh, okay. The supposition is that you use the time that we talked about to disclose that the arms are foobar after she moves fast. So that, at the same time, all the stuff is still destroyed, but now you have Yo-Yo that is crumbled and, and can't either move her arms or whatever the whatever the folly of having to do that was. But you've still got that on the backside build-up time. So now you'll increase even more peril inside of what's going on inside the storytelling as they're breaking into the rooms. Then you have Fitz lean over to Simmons and go, so I guess we can't just have her go get the guns quick and be done with it, right? <laughs> and so the storytelling still works. So either way, it worked out wonderfully. It is a it is a disclosure of failure while still being able to move forward in the storytelling. So big giant thumbs up. The mention of a chamber and what it means. Those of you that are longtime fans of the 24 podcast will always remember the hyperbaric chamber. The hyperbaric chamber was a feature inside of one of the many seasons of, of 24 where Jack Bauer and terrorist number 11, where inside the hyperbaric chamber, terrorist number 11, it ends up getting put inside of it. And so it was lots of fun. Yeah. Well, anyway, so here we have another chamber, and everybody knows inside of everything Marvel comic books that a chamber is 
everything good about what comic books are. Oh, well, yes. Whenever we it's can have another transformation. chamber. Right, absolutely. Every time we've seen it, every time we've had something allude to a chamber-like event, something good always comes out of it, whether it's storytelling about either a new villain, a new hero, being able to just foster the story with there being some sort of chamber that is involved. I call giant bonus on it all. I love the fact that it looks very similar to the chamber used to create Captain, Captain America. America. I totally agree with that. I totally agree. I'm with that. pretty sure that it's based off of that technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about it, it has to be based off that technology. It's all about creating the perfect soldier. It's all about creating the perfect being, and that all started with the Captain. Well, I mean, it, it started with the Red Skull. But it continued with Captain America, and that's where it kind of ended, where the chamber was concerned. Mm-hmm. Until evidently this was created, we know Creel got his powers this way. Mm-hmm. How many other enhanced humans are out there mm-hmm. that got powers from this chamber? Yeah. There's a question I want answered. Yeah, I'm, I'm super curious to know what the answer to that is, but even bigger about that, I think this is the evolution of that same chamber technology. It, it, looks, like yeah. it's, it looks like it's another future version this time what 90 years flash forward yep of what was well here is the the newest shiny new hotness of what that chamber was what once took an entire facility Mm -hmm. to power up just that that one chamber now you have this chamber that you can just use a dolly to move around and you just need elements to plug onto it to plug onto it and boom there you go Yeah. Yeah, yeah a hydra hoodie and a hip toss I'll take one of those Hydra hoodies, please. <laughs> did you catch it? You didn't even catch it, did you? No. Ruby's wearing a Hydra hoodie, and I would instantly have one. No question in my mind. And then, of course, the hip toss I'm referring to is I I was dreading, and I was so sure, and then I was so happy that, one, Hale didn't have her throat ripped out or yeah. head chopped off or whatever. That's one. I, I immediately assumed, oh, she's going to kill her. I thought she's going to kill sure, mommy. I thought for sure all we'd hear is that, you know, the knife across red meat sound, sing, yeah. that, that kind of thing. And then you just hear the the blood spatter on the floor or something. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure, especially because she was so close. That or you'd see like a, you know, a, some new unidentified weapon or something come out of her back or something. Because they, 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 that's the neat part about this scene, Nick, is that they framed it so perfectly where if they do any of the things that we talked about, it absolutely works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It absolutely works. And that they, that they gave the value to just have it be a hip toss, though I'm kind of dubious on the <laughs> general being taken out by hip toss. But then Ruby grabs the jacket and, and and runs out the door and closes it behind her. I thought that that was just brilliant stuff. I was I was pleasantly surprised that she didn't go the full maniacal. I got to kill my mother. My weakness. She says, "You're my weakness." And then they hug. And then I, to myself out loud, I go, "And I must kill you." Yeah. But then Ruby says, "And I'm your weakness." And then does the hip toss and leaves. I'm like. Oh, okay. So, so yes, you did betray your mother, but you didn't kill her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I'm fine with that because. Oh, me too. Because now there can be a reckoning. Mama's going to be pissed. Being willing to take away Yo-Yo's powers. Total kudos to the writers and the creative staff of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for being willing to take away the powers that were just given to her, i.e., 
look, she's got arms again. Now she can be a whole character. Except, no, she's not a whole character. Mm. And I love that while you've given her arms back that are still kind of, you know, they're in kind of paralysis mode at this point. I don't think they do anything. But that she's got the arms back, thumbs up. But more importantly, that you've taken away her powers so that it can't be the instant, you know, slap on a Band-Aid fix for everything. Because... That, that really is the problem potential with every single show, regardless of whether it is on television or in a feature film, that could happen with every single hero. Mm-hmm. Let me get this straight. Superman can watch The Flash frame to frame to frame to frame. Never, can't possibly sneak up on him. I got you right. But he can't dodge anything like punches or... Things thrown from other super aliens, or he, how did that work? And so the way that they get around it here is that well, Yo-Yo just cannot use her powers currently because it hurts. Mm. It's brilliant, but more importantly, it's a it's an incredibly brave choice to make, where you're ripping out the powers of one of your powered individuals on the show. I call that incredibly brave writing, and that you chose to take that step and go on that path. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, and I will continue to love it as long as it does not turn into Daisy end of season two, beginning of season three, where she didn't use her powers that much because it would break her, break the bones in her arms. Like, oh, I've got all the, I've got all these abilities. Oh, but it also hurts to use them. Well, that's kind of what we've got right now with Yo-Yo. Now, uh, again, I don't think we're going that route because Fitz said, there is a workaround. There is a solution. Mm-hmm. You just can't do it here. Just can't do it now. Right. So uh, uh, smart writing. We've had smart writing for a very long time. So I, I, I'm not worried. I just don't want them, especially this close to the end of the season, to fall into, oh, what do we do with Yo-Yo now? I mean, we gave her arms. What more shit can we throw at her to make her life more miserable? I really don't want that. Our cast has got enough on their plate to where we don't have to constantly keep bringing them down. But where Yo-Yo is concerned, I don't want it to turn into Daisy two and a half seasons ago. Hmm. Taking the disbelief pill in the chamber bay. Here I'm talking about the guns in general. There's a there's a ton of gunplay in here. In particular, there's a lot of slow motion gunplay. And what does work in several frames is that the gun fires and then there is an appropriate projectile hitting flash across from wherever the gun is. So mm-hmm. kudos in a variety of different areas where they did that. Thumbs up on that. Right. What I have to tell you, though, is that the gunfight that they're looking at, it's incredibly no win. Like, I don't have the numbers to tell you how no win. And so you must open up your maw. You must crack open the giant disbelief pill bottle. And you must take out this giant horse-sized pill. And you must take that the moment that the slow-motion gunslinging happens. And it didn't jerk me out of it. In fact, I'll, I'll bet you if I watched it again, I wouldn't have a bit as big a deal on it. Because it would be the second time of me seeing it, I wouldn't be nearly as picky bastard as I am about it. But it was definitely picky bastard time instead of the first time I saw it. Because it is that outlandish that that the two of them with guns would be able to take down five automatons with at least semi-automatic rifles and long rifles too. The the other component I want all of you to understand is unless maybe the 
people from Wakanda stopped in with the gift of tables that are made of vibranium. None of those tables are stopping any gunfire. In particular, long rifles like the automatons have. So you definitely have to take the disbelief pill inside of this scene. And thankfully, the back end of this is so chock full of writing and endearing storytelling slash conversation crafted between the newlyweds. It definitely saves itself. You see, I totally disagree. Completely disagree about the disbelief pill simply because of what you just said, the back end of the scene. It's a Butch and Sundance type of a situation. But we've got two characters who believe they can't die. They're invincible together. Right. So what do they do? They they reload their guns, they get up, and that's when the slow motion starts. Mm-hmm. Slow motion lasts for less than a minute. We get some really creative, and not even creative shots, just well-timed and precise shots from two agents taking on a bunch of robots. Okay, then we get the really dramatic, oh, Gemma's going to turn, and she's got Fitz's back now. All right. And then all of a sudden, her gun jams. Slow motion stops. The epicness stops. The, the oh, you're about to see some serious shit from these two, stops. Mm-hmm. And they run back and hide. Mm-hmm. And they even say, what were we thinking? How, how did we possibly think we were going to get out of this? Yet... To keep supporting their invincible theory, Yo-Yo takes out the Russian who just so happens to be controlling all of the robots at the facility. So I didn't have to take a disbelief pill because they took the disbelief out of it. Mm -hmm. They started trying to give you this epic comic book movie scene and then go, oh, wait a minute, you're watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We take things seriously here. Gun jam. Oh, shit. What are we going to do? Yet everything does work out because, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, they're invincible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, for me, I didn't have to take a disbelief pill. But you know what we should do? Definitely should ask call the audience. audience. That's right. Yes, we ask you guys. What did you guys think about needing to take, or not, in the case of Nick, the disbelief pill during the epic almost epic shootout <laughs> scene inside of this episode. Let us know what you think by going to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the top right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Incredibly appropriate cuts on Yo-Yo's face and a wonderful crescendo. So again, this is on the back end mm-hmm. of the scene that you just mentioned. But the cuts on Yo-Yo's face are incredibly appropriate for somebody going through play glass. Right. And regardless of Even using speed, a robotic Russian as, as, as cover. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. It's, it's where this show takes the time to get many of those tiny details right that instantly extends storytelling to something that can just be shown. Mm-hmm. Again, magical, creative thought here being depicted inside this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Going back to earlier in the episode when Ruby returns to the Hydra base and she has her mask off, mm-hmm. she's her face is covered in bruises Fubar, yeah. from when she got her ass kicked by Daisy. Mm-hmm. That's all you had to do. That's all you had to do is, is show the fact that, yes, there is damage. She didn't have to, there didn't have to be a conversation. Well, when she, you know, gave you that uppercut and that haymaker, that's what, that's where you got that swollen, swollen lip. No, it's look at the damage that Daisy did. Mm-hmm. And that's all you have to do. And that's all they had to do here with Yo-Yo. Yeah. She's got the cuts on her face. Mm-hmm. She's not, she's breathing heavy. She's not all smiles and sunshine. She's hurting, mm-hmm. but she's alive. Right. Deke needs more funny gas. 
I will take the collective disbelief pill here too, I guess. <laughs> a little bit of this went a long way for me. And I think probably 50% of what we had here. My, here here's my guess. My guess is that there was something written on the page. And what you got was the actor that plays Deke. They let him riff a little. Let him riff on it. In I, fact, you know, it, I wouldn't. It, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I would provide you the supposition that with the same human comedic powers that Thomas F. Wilson has, <laughs> he, the actor that plays Deke, probably did exactly the same damn thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he was able to extend what was going to be a very small, much smaller, should have been smaller scene, into something that was a little bit too long for my liking. Now, for the, for the fans that love this show and have loved what Deke has become. Which I am, by the way. I love what they've created with Deke. Mm. I just think that there could have been a whole lot less here and made more, rather than having more because we need to have more. And now we zonk them out. <laughs> Although the the uh, my brain is falling. My brain is falling. <laughs> that was awesome. Great I'm so, way to end it. I'm so going to steal that for when I'm incredibly tired. I thought that was great. I think I, I do agree with you. I think it went on just a little bit too long. I do like the revelation that he does, in fact, have a thing for Daisy. Like like we didn't know didn't that know. already, right. but. Mm-hmm. Now that there are more people out there that actually know it, it, it does make it a little bit more interesting. Uh, the Mac stuff, ah, I think that's where they started losing me. It's like, oh, okay, less is more, guys. Less is yeah. more. Yeah, go, go Go to sleep in there. Oh, my brain is falling. Yeah. Programming a general to shield our team from success. <laughs> this is great. Anytime you grab a really innovative way to make a Manchurian candidate come alive, I, I think I'm all over any story that will include things like this, mostly just because it's fun. Yeah. There, there's a piece of fun here that cannot possibly be mismanipulated. And the the facial expression of the guy that plays Talbot inside of this, Adrian Pezdar, it was brilliant, especially with his facial expression added on. I actually thought at the beginning of this, this scene – that he was already turned. That when Hale broke him, she turned him. And I had, I hate to admit this, but I had totally forgotten about compliance. Yeah. And how Whitehall used to hypnotize and brainwash people. Yeah. When, you see and his- as the as his wife, and I, I'm I'm all happy because oh okay so he's going to talk to his wife, and he's he's emotional and he, I'm like okay everything's fine. We're going to have a nice happy ending for the end of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then all of a sudden you, you, you realize, oh, the wife is under duress and is reading this and is activating him. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 No, so, so again. It's brilliant. it's brilliant. And you know why I know it's brilliant? Is because the instant the snap to black happens for the end of this episode, I look over at you and I go, 19. Freight car. Homecoming. Yeah. And that instantly lends itself to this expansive universe of now over only 10 years inside mm-hmm. of the cinematic universe, but a universe that expands long before and will continue expanding way after you and I are gone. And that's what I love about this show. It weaves itself into the tapestry of all things Marvel. And whether or not we ever do get the courtesy of a tap uh, a small pat on the shoulder from any of the feature films or if they show up it doesn't really matter because of brilliant scenes like this with a character that i didn't a couple episodes ago i didn't really much care for what they were doing with talbot yeah and that's the magic that you can have inside of story writing with some really great storytelling 
we are running long but incredibly engaged inside yes. of this episode review of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Episode 17, The Honeymoon. We will be right back. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com It doesn't always come fast, but it's always free. Join Officer Tommy Model and learn more about vital building blocks when it comes to security law enforcement during the free field training podcast free field training podcast.com that's free field training podcast.com the history of hostage and crisis negotiation is filled with action danger emotion and perspective be sure to learn more about the history of hostage and crisis negotiation inside crisis cops the evolution of hostage negotiations in america Order it now at twoguystalking.com slash crisiscops. That's twoguystalking.com slash crisiscops. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete detailed and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, Season 5, Episode 17, The Honeymoon. Every time we come back from break, it's time to open our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. Our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I focus on a particular actor portrayal, something that happens inside the storytelling of this episode, or something else that trips our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what do you got? We had a lot of great stuff, a lot of great content we talked about in this episode. Mm -hmm. So therefore, there were a handful of things that we did leave behind. Now, personally speaking, I would talk about something that we already talked about because I think the May and Coulson scene is absolute magic. Mm -hmm. It is the focal point of this episode. Agreed. Uh, the, the writing, the acting, the set dressing, everything is perfect. But we already talked about it. So my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is actually going to be filled with the disbelief pill that I had to take watching Mac do surgery. Mm. Boy, that's a good one. That's a good one. My wife is in the medical profession. <laughs> so she's taking been, notes then, right? And <laughs> How to not wear a mask? 
and, and has been for for quite some time. <laughs> and she was not watching this with me though this this time around. Mm. But but watching the episode, I'm like, oh wow! If if my wife were sitting here with me right now. <laughs> she would be laughing her head off at how ridiculous this looks. Yeah. I mean, A, nobody's wearing a mask. And you know what? Even if they had been wearing masks, I still wouldn't have taken the scene that seriously. If he was wearing a kabuki mask, would you have been? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. If he was wearing a kabuki mask and then everything was subtitled in Japanese, Scalpel. So... I appreciate the fact that when they brought Deke in, May makes the comment that Piper was was in the middle of training mm-hmm. for on-site field medic for the strike team that was being put together mm-hmm. before everybody got sent into the framework. Okay, that's great. But then they kind of backpedal it to where I have no experience. I can read some stuff. Where's the iPad? Uh, right. So Max steps up because he's a mechanic and he's got steady hands. And he can deal with blood. And he can deal with... Ah. If I was actually going to have one ding against this episode, it would be that I would ha- that I did have to take a giant disbelief pill for Mac performing surgery, having never done it before in his life. Mm. And that is my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. That's a great dossier. I'm, I'm not entirely sure how I can trump that, but I'll give it a shot. Go for it. My dossier has got to be filled with an obedient wife. Hmm. Okay. This is very interesting because you have to remember that before probably the last two episodes, even the front end of the last episode, episode 16, mm. I was not on board the Talbot train like really at all. Right, I, right. Uh, that whole cartoony caricature you know, no, for the love of flapjacks. Raspberry, raspberry, <laughs> whatever, whatever they wanted to paint it. Uh, not a fan of that. What I really did appreciate here is that they're they're giving the mechanism that he pleaded for that Daisy made happen in a moment of absolute feeling indebted to Talbot to make this happen, because Daisy looked back in her own life mm-hmm. and realized that the piece that would have meant so much to her is where if she'd been able to have repartee with her father when she was younger. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the little magical seedling component that's sprinkled in here that then grows the conversation on the telephone via via an incredibly encrypted connection to make sure that nothing bad happens mm-hmm. inside of this scene. And so when you get the wife that has the opening section of that as an incredibly exactly the way it's supposed to sound conversation. Yeah. The only time it sounded strange was like, there's no way that Daisy's going to make the phone call happen and we don't get to talk to the kid. That's where I started to go, hmm, something, there, there's something going on here. Not, not nothing, nothing nefarious. Yeah. But there's, they're going to give us something else. And sure, sure as Dickens, here it is. Here is the little opening of the little magical seed pod where... This doppelganger, either already inside of his brain, like what you were talking about, yeah, or that is delivered because of the programming that he received previously. However, it's going to work. Doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. going to work, right? But that they chose the wife in less than thirty seconds to be the delivery mechanism that paid off so wonderfully, man. Yeah, that's my dossier. Uh, well, well, that just shows that Hale was covering all of her bases. Yeah, she. Yeah. 
thought ahead that, okay, so what if Talbot does get out? What do I have to do? Well, I have to make sure that I also have his family. So I'll make sure I have his family. Yeah. It, it goes to show you what even more of a nefarious. I'm actually going to use nefarious now because we know what she's it's planning worthy. on doing. Sure, it's worthy. General Hale has a nefarious plan, and she's definitely one of my favorite villains on this show so far. That's where we ask you guys, what's inside your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for this episode? Season 5, episode 17, The Honeymoon. Head on over to our Facebook presence over at facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Chime in on any one of the threads there or start one of your own. Nick, it all gets down to this. The always fun to participate in rating for this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Episode 17, The Honeymoon. The scale works thusly. 10 is on top of the heap. Somehow still functioning arms on that hauling ass yo-yo. <laughs> yeah. Down on one, we've got more horror brain moments for Deke. Everything starts at a seven. Numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? Well, despite my dossier having uh, read in it <laughs> this uh, episode, there were way too many great things about episode 17, The Honeymoon, that my one major ding, and you, you, Mac performing surgery is a major ding. The Deke stuff, half a ding, because it did go on just a little bit too long. It wasn't bad, but it went on just a, bit, a little bit too long because I can't have halvesies. So I'd have to turn that into a full ding. So that's still two dings against a show that had, you know, 47 great things happen <laughs> in it. I mean, if I wanted to be a real nitpicking reviewer, I would say, well, yeah, that definitely has to take it down to at least a nine. But I'm not. I'm not a nitpicker nope. when it comes to this show. I mean, if something is wrong, we'll call it out full on. Is Mac performing surgery a little ridiculous? Sure. But guess what? You know, he's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's a hell of a mechanic. And with this yummy disbelief pill in my belly, I could totally believe that a great mechanic could look at a human body and just think think of it as a car. Think of it as pistons. Think of it as, as wires and do it like that. So I can get over that. And he looks good in the hat. He does look good in the hat. Trace Should have been wearing a mask, though. Just very, it, it's just proper etiquette when in an operating theater. Same thing with with Fitz a couple episodes ago when he was performing surgery on on Daisy. He out. should have been wearing a mask as well. Probably. So they're very anti-mask on on this show mm -hmm. while doing surgery. <laughs> it's a ten, man. This was this was a great episode. This the pacing was it kept me going, even with the small little speed bumps. Definitely. A 10. Yeah. As I introduce the rating for this episode, I almost just said, we're going to give this a 10, but here's what the scale traditionally looks like. Uh, this is a 10 for me as well. Mm -hmm. uh, again, don't need to run over all the stuff that I've already broken down for everybody, but the, the, the gist is that the writing is so high quality that it's like they know that they can have a couple of foibles. And it doesn't make any right. difference at all. If we do this, the, they'll forgive us for something else down the road it's over It's even here. better than yeah. that because they can put it on the train of pace and the pace train takes out everything because of the pace. There's never enough lingering time. Uh, there's a series of movies that I've been watching, whether it's something that's original on Netflix or just a movie that I've been watching that either happens to be on streaming or I go grab a DVD out of my library or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't make any difference. When I sit down and I watch it and I realize how pacing can instantly help trump every single mistake that those movies make. I, I, I always I always just want to be able to like if there was a way to in production for every movie, just go pause and walk up in the frozen world I've created and lean into the director's ear and go, just make the pace better. <laughs> and then re-engage, push the play button on the world. Yeah. I cannot tell you how many more feature films and movies would be so incredibly satisfactory. Yeah. Uh, there, there's so many crimes of cinematic humanity that can be almost completely rectified by just shoving it through with pace. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean shoving it through like, you know, no one cares that it was there, but moving on to the next portions of the story, especially if they happen to have anything solid or meaty in them, that will almost always fix things like that. Uh, if if that was if that was my one wish that I would like to bestow upon the academy in my final <laughs> days, it would be the being able to give whomever will take my my next my next chair and push the life pause button and go and talk to every director inside of their ear inside of a movie set because it would instantly fix it. Right. That's what we ask you guys. What did you rate this episode? Season five, episode seventeen, the honeymoon. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side. Contact you guys talking. And fill out the quick web form. Tell us what you think. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. Yeah, and I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication. Reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication.
What are you looking at, butthead? Which, by the way, did you know he changed that from asshole? Oh, in the in the original script, it was he, asshole. He did it. So he changed it from asshole to butthead. And one of the most one of the craziest things I heard was he was scared to death that when the when the call came and said, "Okay, everybody, we need you all to come down to insert studio blah, and we're going to be meeting with you one on one." He was absolutely sure he was going to get fired, and all it was was them announcing that Eric Stoltz, the original the original guy original Marty, Marty was, was going to get axed, yeah. right and he was scared to death <laughs> and as soon as he got there and he got the green light what he decided to do was well i won't say that i'm invincible but you know what i'm just going to start changing stuff <laughs> and so one of the things that he wanted to do was that and i i found that incredibly endearing it's it, it's definitely a move in the right direction right what are you looking at butthead is instantly more iconic than what are you looking at asshole true true because so, i remember i remember growing up as a young child you could get away with saying that line in front of your parents without getting smacked right unlike let's see if these bastards can do 90 yeah you're gonna get slapped in the face right. which i right. did quite a few times right anytime i was in the car with my mother yeah Somebody's phone is not silenced. What a shitty producer we have here at this program. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what am I paying for? I love how everything's all loosey-goosey when Nick's around. <laughs> but he's all dressed up in a tie when I bring people in to podcast with me. I thought you'd like that. <laughs> Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick's wonderful little classisms inside of my commentary awesome it, love it i i call Lovely. it i call it bathos bathos <laughs> <laughs> you, you'd know all about it if you would re have read my electronic mail <laughs> <laughs> i'll get to it right after my tea oh, oh wait a minute i don't drink I don't tea, drink tea. What, what do, do you, you drink, drink? <laughs> not tea <laughs> stupid oh Dear Bathos, I hate you. H <laughs> a t e u. Insert the tone. Or where the fuck are we? Okay, We're, back every from time break. Come back from break. Okay, 